Welcome to Shh, We're Reading Dirty Books. This is Kalina. And this is Saylette. And we're happy to be back with you for another romance book review episode where this week we aren't doing a paranormal romance. Mm-hmm. If you guys are reading along with us, you'll know that this week we're doing a contemporary romance for the podcast just because you know we can it's our podcast and we do what we want yeah we're and yeah (laughs) (laughs) and also because we wanted to celebrate hispanic heritage month and so you know we found some hispanic authors and today's is uh that yes (laughs) and we'll get into that after we do the quickie so thank you (laughs) so to go along with our theme I would like to know where your favorite taco places are, because there are plenty here in Denver. There are a lot. Man. Um, (laughs) Just one that maybe, like, sticks out. I mean, my favorite Mexican is El Tejado. Okay. And that has just been my favorite forever. I do like La Fonda, which is closer to me since I've moved, but their green chili is too spicy. I know. I'm so white. I'm sorry. But... (laughs) And I like a spicy green chili, but theirs is like, <laughs> it's like nuclear. And I'm like. Is it hotter than Dan's? I don't eat Dan's because I'm not insane. That's true. <laughs> but I like, like for taco, you know, like tacos y salsa is very, you know, I like it. I okay. Know. I'm not that. I'm <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I like places like Adelita's, except that it's owned by white men and I don't want to support, you know, instead of like actual, you know, oh. the, it's not, yeah, it's not run by people of the okay. culture who like, sure. So once I found that, cause I thought it was owned by the same, I thought it was owned by other people. I thought it was owned by the same woman who started Maria Empanadas, but it's not. Adelita's is just this white dude's oh, taco I place. And I kind of was like, fuck that. <laughs> have <laughs> never even heard of it. So it's on Broadway. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't have a specific favorite either, but I do have a few places that I like to go for tacos. Mexico City is one of those. That's in downtown. I mm-hmm. don't ask me what streets because I don't know streets in downtown. <laughs> um, <laughs> the angled have, one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we actually we haven't been there for a long time. We went there Sunday morning, had breakfast, and they have some pretty good tacos. My favorite kind of taco right now are the quesadillas. Those are so fucking good and dan and i actually learned how to make it they're really time consuming oh, yeah. they, a lot of sweat and tears and it's like a two days of like prep and well not prep and cooking and things so. mm-hmm. but it's so good it's so yummy the first time i had it was off of a taco truck and i can't tell you or a food truck mm-hmm. and i can't tell you what no what it's called there's so many of those. there's so many but they were really good and then uh i like emily's chicken tacos Oh, God, Emily's chicken tacos are the fucking best. At Emily's sex house, her chicken tacos. Emily's sex house, Emily's chicken tacos. Yes. And I have tried to make, I've sat there and I've watched her make them and I have tried to make them and I Mm -mm. just, I don't know, Mm -mm. she has more patience than I do. And I cook all the time and I'm like, this is bonkers. Sorry, dude. No, I can't replicate it either. And it's it's only good when she makes them. Yes, only good when she makes them. I have to agree. And I just love, I love having her tacos at tacos, taco night at Emily's X house. It's the best. It's so good. <laughs> it is so good. Now I want, 
She has not done chicken tacos for us in a while. Yeah, she hasn't. She's fucking slacking, dude. I don't know what she's been doing with her giant summer off. Yeah. Not making us chicken tacos. Making us tacos. Hello. And now she has to go back to work. That doesn't excuse you from making us chicken tacos. And we know you're listening. I mean, in like two years. Months and months. (laughs) Yeah. She'll, she'll tell us about this episode, like seriously, like a year from now. I'm like, I don't remember anything that you're saying we talked about. No. Dude, she won't even remember how to turn a podcast on. So I do Which love is that her car just her automatically plays. Yes, I know. It's just she just us. gets in the car to just start yelling at us. Like her, it's just our voices as soon as she gets in her car. And I'm like, <laughs> you need that in your life. Uh, she does. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> okay. So as an intro to our book, which we are, like Helena said, highlighting for Hispanic Heritage Month, is Ramon y Julieta by Alana Quintana Albertson, narrated by Vanessa Vasquez and Alexander Amato. And I think we're just going to do a quick. Yeah, I don't want to do too, too much. I think the bulk of the book is more for like discussion. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, a reach, a a updating and retelling of Romeo and Juliet. So Ramon y Julieta. And in this world, it's modern day. It's Santa, not Santa Barbara. Why do I always (laughs) want to say that? San Diego. And we have Ramon, who is, you know, the second generation of a Taco King, fast, casual Mexican food magnet mm-hmm. restaurant tour who has, you know, who set up, who started the taco restaurant in San Diego and has built an empire. It's around the country. It's, you know, nationwide and includes all kinds of business acquisitions and, and you know, real estate ventures and all of this. That was Ramon's father. And now it's, you know, Ramon runs it. His dad's still chairman of the board and his brothers are on kind of work for the family business as well. And then on the other side, we have Julieta, who is a chef in the barrio. What was it? Logan? Barrio Logan? Mm -hmm. Barrio Logan. Yeah. Which is a neighborhood of San Diego where Mexican Americans, you know, were tend to be congregated. They had been pushed out of other areas of San Diego, probably due to like redlining and all kinds of other issues yeah. uh, mm-hmm. with, you know, j- you know, with what cities did to kind of keep people segregated, segregating different neighborhoods and making mm-hmm. some prosperous and wealthy and others poor and not great. Right. So it's underneath a bridge is what I gathered from. I mean, I'm not as familiar with it. I've only been to San Diego once for like <laughs> a day or two, you know, not, yeah. not long. So no, it seems about right. Anyway. Um, she she lives there with her family. Her you know her mom her her father has passed away and they run a restaurant. She's a you know trained chef, but it's all like traditional family Mexican rest like recipes that she's putting like a kind of current spin on or using like fresh food, fresh ingredients, uh-huh. kind of taking like elevating the cuisine but keeping it in like the traditional dishes. Um, and she runs this place you know, in in the barrio and it's on this one block that is basically it's up for sale. The whole block is up for sale and everyone knows what that means. Gentrification. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's a Dio de los Muertos party and she, you know, everyone's dressed up. They have their face paint on and their costumes and it's a big cultural event. If you aren't familiar with it, if you haven't lived somewhere where that's been a tradition, it's very, it's fun. It's, it's colorful and musical and bright and there's food, all this food is associated with it. And so she's working at the event 
and Ramon is attending it because he's got a he's you know one of the mariachi. Well, he's he's pretending to be a mariachi, but he's you know wealthy family like wealthy Mexican American family like business leader. You know he's got to go and like talk to the mayor and schmooze and do all of the like network and networking things. Right, Mm -hmm. so he's attending for that. He's also yeah dressed up as a dead mariachi. You know like a Mm -hmm. Dulas Muertos. Mariachi guy. But they meet, you know, just like in the play, they meet, they, you know, flirt, they kind of are attracted, but they don't know who the other one is. Mm-hmm. Very like Romeo and Juliet of you. <laughs> they actually don't <laughs> like each other. Their families aren't their really families are fighting. Yeah. compatible because not only is his family super wealthy and her scraping by, mm-hmm. but, and they're from these quote unquote different sides of, you know, the city, the cracks, whatever. But there's a history there where his father first ate fish tacos on a surf trip to Mexico, and it happens to be at Julieta's mom's taco stand, Mm -hmm. and she introduced him to fish tacos, and he loved them so much, he brought them back to America and was the first one to introduce fish tacos in America. Mm -hmm. Side note, he stole her recipe. Yes. (laughs) So his entire empire is built on her recipe that he never gave credit to. Never like announced, you know, like didn't own up to it or anything. So there's all this tension between the families behind the scenes. And then, of course, the two fall in love. Um, And it's all put against the backdrop of, you know, current modern day America. But with these cultural tensions, these class tensions between the neighborhood where Ramon's family is seen as coconuts yes. quote-unquote coconuts so they're brown on the outside but white on the inside because they have been wealthy for over a generation like Ramon's father didn't grow up wealthy but he earned his wealth you know he built his wealth pretty early on so his kids grew up wealthy mm-hmm. so they didn't really have as many connections to the old barrio they didn't grow up there they didn't you know they don't have ties to that neighborhood so they are seen as outsiders even to other Mexican-Americans who live there we're like no you're not just because you speak Spanish and like this culture, you're not like us. Right. You know, and so they see them as selling out there, uh, um, the neighborhood, because they come in and buy the buildings, of course. They mm-hmm. buy them block and they're going to raise the rents and turn, you know, Julieta's restaurant out. Yeah, put in a Taco King. King and yeah. all of this other stuff that the neighborhood doesn't want. And there's fighting and there's protesting and on the, you know, they're trying, Julieta and Ramon are trying to date during all of this turmoil and see if they really like each other and good things happen, bad things happen, da 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 It's not like Romeo and Juliet because people don't die. <laughs> There's a happily ever after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they figure it all out. Basically, Ramon thwarts his father's evil plan and saves the neighborhood and gives it to Julieta's mother as compensation for her lost and stolen recipe and she gets to run the block and make sure all of the you know current tenants stay there and their stores thrive and the neighborhood thrives and they get married and uh, everybody's happy I guess except for Ramon's father he doesn't sound happy he does not he does not sound but he kind of like he gets just pushed out at the end this is like boop no more of you Yeah, I mean, and rightfully so. I, he he stole the recipe from the very beginning and just kind of screwed everybody. I thought, and the piece that I really needed to have like a kind of a, a confrontation about was, because in his story, he, he meets Julieta's mom, he hangs out for like two weeks, 
romancing mm-hmm. her and hang, eating tacos on the beach and like falling in love and promising her the world. But he has to go home and graduate, mm-hmm. finish school. And he does that. And then in his narrative, they write letters, but he doesn't come back right away because he's trying to earn money. And then he comes back and she's already engaged to a new guy. And that's when he steals the recipe. Whereas the way Julieta's mom tells it, he never came back. She didn't know where he went. So she got engaged because she needed to. She needed to move on move on, and, and have a life. And it sounded like the way she told the story was after She's... he left, the recipe was gone. Yes. So I don't know if she knows when it got stolen. Again, I was like, that needs- we need to have a discussion about we, this. Yes. It sounded like she thought the recipe was stolen right away. But he didn't steal it until he came back for her and found her already with somebody else. With somebody else. And then he left and again then he stole with the recipe. And then he angry fit. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's a different story. <laughs> but we don't get that. We don't get We that. don't. We, we don't, don't get, get clarification on that. On that. Mm-hmm. We don't get the, the father and the mother together to, like, fight it out and discuss, like, what happened. And then, of course, naturally fall in love because they always loved each other and both of their spouses are either dead or have moved on. Yeah, so I honestly Ramon's thought that was happening and then and... it did not happen. And I was like, this <laughs> isn't what I thought would happen. Well, it's almost kind of good because then that would have made Ramon and Julieta like stepbrother and sister. And Yeah, but when you're like in your 30s, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I guess that's true. It's not like you grew up together as brother and sister <laughs> and now have decided you're in love. Like, no, he's, yeah. he's like 37 or something and she's 30. So mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. if... <laughs> they ended up together it's not that gross but anyway that doesn't happen we don't get that even though i thought that no. was where it was moving it didn't happen for us no it didn't it didn't get there but i i love all of the underlying stories and like i guess a history lesson sort of but you know that's it isolated to that area but not even just the story of san diego but this has happened all over the place i, I loved the look at you know chicano hispanic yeah. culture through this book like the discussions of the you know holidays dia de los muertos but then also like the murals and the the zoot suit history and yeah. the, the color the low the low riders and, and the the, mm-hmm. the foods and the lot they went to a loteria party and yeah um, stuff like that. I thought that was just, I loved that. I loved, you know, at the end, there's a little author's note about how important this book was for her to write and to tell the story. And I think that really comes through in this. And it's a, it's a story of like Hispanic joy. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes books, obviously not romance books as much, but books that deal with cultures that are even written from ethnic cultural perspectives can yeah. really be encouraged or focus on negative aspects or like things that are hard about mm-hmm. being like the, the struggles of those cultures. Like some of the books that were more popular, like Hispanic books popular lately, you know, American Dirt. And there was another one where it's about like the immigrant um, experience and like the difficulty of crossing the border. And like they're tragic stories. They're really mm-hmm. hard to read because of how and not they're real, but it's so tough because everything's hard. Yeah. Whereas this is a, this culture in joy. Yeah. There's struggles and there, there's, this fight for the community and to try and save it from gentrification, but there's also people falling in love and like yeah, eating it's a tacos love story and, and friendships and, like, and the brothers have so much joy for the different aspects that they embody yeah. and the cousins and just everybody, you know, and it's full of life and, and color and vibrancy. And so I love reading romance books in uh, like of other cultures because it gives us something positive as opposed to some of these 
more like high, quote unquote, highbrow literary pieces, which are just like, it's very difficult. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I'm not saying it's not. I'm sure it is, but. Sure. Absolutely. But that and you also have like the two, like the contrast is between two people who have a shared culture, you know, whether yeah. or not it's it's not like because they're both Mexican-American mm-hmm. and with you know, parents that had struggles growing up. So they both like his dad struggled and then his her mom struggled, but she is still struggling because, you know, he, <laughs> he took the recipe and made Taco King. But, <laughs> you know, so so Ramon didn't have that growing up. So he had everything. He fucking drives a McLaren. Yeah, that got mentioned a lot. And I guess it's Everywhere. important and people care because <laughs> guess who doesn't care? This girl. That guy. This, this lady You're here. like, what is it? McLarens are pretty nice. Oh, I'm like, fucking sure it is. I don't <laughs> doubt that it is. But I, the whole time I was like, I don't, like the I number don't of times care. McLaren got mentioned oh, yeah. in the book, I was like. It was a lot. It was um, a a, lot. (laughs) It was uh, a little bit too much. But, you know, I think that really like just so that we know exactly how rich this guy is. But like we also didn't need to know repeatedly that he had a McLaren. He was just like, I need to be closer to this neighborhood. So I'm just going to buy a place. (laughs) Yeah, he literally just bought a house in Coronado Island, which I do know the value of that. Like that at least is like a real estate area that you like. It's fancy. Yeah. Like that's multi-million dollar. Ben from San Diego to know that I've heard of that island and I know how fancy ass that is, and to just be like, oh, I'm gonna be, you know, I don't want to drive from the other side of San Diego, so I'm gonna just buy another house on the fancy. It'd be like just three buying a house in Cherry Hills out of the blue. Yeah, that's exactly. I kind of have to work south today, so I guess I'll just buy a house in Cherry Hills. ridiculous and that's exactly how it would that's be as absurd yeah or like yeah. aspen or something like mm-hmm. well, i don't know not maybe because i just can't make the i can't make that 30 minute drive every single day yeah from, down, from a, a sky <laughs> like a penthouse downtown yeah and my job is going to be like southern mm-hmm. facing for a couple of months so i'll buy yes. a cherry hills house that's yeah. the craziness and oh like, yeah that's how crazy rich he, he was he's so rich well he ended up buying the buildings himself yes he did he's he bought out his dad that he undermined his like the businesses purchase yep. of the block to buy him personally mm-hmm. and then to and give them to her them. mother he gave them to like, we're talking eight million dollars is what they were yeah. saying that the <laughs> The minimum bid on that block was going to be, and I'm like, after buying a three million dollar condo. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and that is the big contrast between the two. That's the you know, Julia that has a car that barely works, it and she have lives a transmission. With... She doesn't yeah. drive it at all in this book. No. She walks there, mm-hmm. takes a bite like a bus everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and her and she lives with her mom, and that's not. Uh, you know, it's because her mom got lonely after her dad died and, and wanted some, you know, company and stuff, which is great. But it also allowed Julieta to do the work that she needs to do and, and save and, and whatever. But even then, it was really hard knowing that the block was going to be bought out and her. I wish I remember what the name of the restaurant was. It Los Starts with a B. Citas? A B? A B. I thought I started with a C. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe I'm thinking of something over here then. <laughs> maybe. But anyway, so yeah, I, I thought that was a, a good way to sort of have like, because there wasn't really a bad guy. I mean, if you have a bad guy, I think it would be his dad. Yeah. But even that, it's kind of like an unclear story, just like you explained. Well, here's where he, where he, here's where he is bad. He is the compensation? The, he didn't well, want to do the compensation? 
he's I really expected him to turn a leaf at the end mm-hmm. too and realize that what he was doing was destroyed. So he keeps saying that he wants to be in the barrio because as a young man, he fought to save it. Like he yes. was part of the Chicano movement yes. that like fought for the park. So there's, um, I think it's called just Chicano park, but I'm not sure. Um, uh, but a big park there that they had to fight to, for the city to not destroy and like the neighborhood. And he was part of the, they call them the brown hats, this movement that really worked to maintain the, the history and the feel of that neighborhood during, I'm going to say seventies. I'm not exactly sure at mm-hmm. the timeline. It might have been later eighties, maybe eighties and nineties. I don't know. But it was obviously when he was young, before yes. he really became rich. It's while he was still building uh, Taco King as a company. And obviously when he started, he was very authentic in his... So he stole this recipe, a very authentic fish taco recipe. And that's mm-hmm. what he used in his first restaurant. And that's what he built it on. But then obviously as he expanded, just think of like Chipotle. <laughs> right. right. You're just saving Fast, on casual, costs. So, yeah. White, mm-hmm. uh, you know, white. It's white blood. catered. Yeah, yeah, you have to exactly. whitewash your your food to, to flavor, you know, mm-hmm. for sad taste buds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as one with them, I understand. <laughs> and so, he, you know, it, he became more about the empire building and not about the authenticity of the product that he was producing. And then now that he's super rich and has like the ability to do this, he wants to buy this block in the neighborhood that he fought to save and he's he's still like seeing it as if he's being helpful except that he triples the rent of the the tenants and says we'll just get this cute mexican cafe that serves you know traditional pan and uh you know the what's the conchas and the Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. the traditional hot chocolates and and horchata and all of this wonderful stuff and it's fresh made with real ingredients and all this. And we're going to, oh, we'll just put a Starbucks in and we'll put the Taco King and we'll just pretend it's not our whitewashed version of a Taco King, you know, mm-hmm. like all of this. And like the neighborhood doesn't want that. And he, his son is fighting to explain it to him and be like, dad, you can't just do this. Like, I no. want to represent my culture in the, in the city or in the neighborhood that I saved or helped save. Right. But he's but not, not doing it. Like, he's, no, he didn't do it in the right killing way. killing it. So it's like, yes. That's when he becomes evil. Is that yeah. he won't listen to multiple people telling him that's n- you're, what you're thinking you're doing is not what you're doing. You say exactly. you're doing it to save it, but you're not saving it. Like be better. At what point does pride become way too much, and and and, it, and then it starts to like take over what is truly good? You know, exactly like what should be done right i mean and he wasn't the only one who struggled with pride julieta had that same problem too where she was just struggling with allowing them to come in and and just take over and and to even to work for him and he offered her this amazing package (laughs) yeah head chef and bonuses and like you can hire your own staff and everything as long as she worked for the taco king but she just she knew she was being bought out not even bought out kicked (laughs) out I think she also like she she tried to reconcile it, but I do think she also understood it doesn't matter. The neighborhood will not accept this. Oh yeah, and she knew that. Mm-hmm. And so should be a sellout. At the end of the day, they it won't be successful at least in terms of the neighborhood. Yes, you might get other people visiting outsiders, you know, like tourists who are told to go to this cool neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like all the people who are told to go to Highlands. Right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And don't realize like 
that used to be a place people could live. Now that, they yes, can't. They, <laughs> <laughs> they cannot. Yeah, I don't know. It, I, I, th- I saw her struggle as slightly... It, it was definitely a different battle. It was different. There. I, like he, her father just really seemed... His father, his father, Ramon's father. Like even w- more so like once he found out that it was his ex-girlfriend, like Linda's mm-hmm. Tacos and Linda's restaurant, daughter's restaurant. It that seemed like that like made him more, more insistent yes. to ruin everything. And I'm like, that's an odd reaction, buddy. I think you it, need to go to therapy and investigate I mean, <laughs> that shit. Yeah. He does need to talk a little bit about that because he obviously wasn't over that love or that hurt or whatever it was that he felt the betrayal, which of course she didn't betray him. She just moved on. And so, and he never could close that. He also had a terrible relationship, it seems like, with Ramon's mom. So he never had an opportunity to. Yeah, that didn't feel good. They yeah. were not good parents in terms of they no. were just not there for their kids. They were and, absent. Uh, yeah. Ramon's mom is a piece of fucking work. Oh my say. God. I could not believe The shit she said, I was like, damn. Holy shit. Um, and how like Ramon with I mean I can understand with his mom and even a little bit with his dad but he is pretty well put together and has morals and ethics and he is full of love and that's all he wants to do by the end of the book he doesn't start out that way but he also doesn't start out like evil either he's just because he doesn't have that recognition of oh my god what am I actually doing he's just living and doing what it is that he was taught to do right without really knowing the, the impact that he had but because the impact is so huge and not just on like a whole neighborhood but on the woman that he loves that he sees it you know he didn't have to have that experience with maybe any of the other transactions that he's had to make so he didn't have that opportunity yet until he mm-hmm. met Julieta. Mm-hmm. No, I do think she opened his eyes to a piece of his culture that he'd been missing because mm-hmm. the way he grew up and, you know, um, not being connected to the barrio and to all of the cultural events and touchstones that he missed. And he really liked hanging out there and like seeing it and immersing himself in it and like going back to his roots and, you know, yeah, really yeah. touching that community again. And then he wanted to save it. Like once he got involved in it, he was like, this can't change. Like we can't turn mm-hmm. this cafe into a Starbucks. We can't turn this lovely, authentic food restaurant into a fucking Taco King. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that it was called Taco King. Uh, yeah, I love that too. Taco yeah, King. Yeah, he's like, definitely like, I can't continue to be this quote unquote coconut. I know how that feels. People have called me a banana before, too. (laughs) You know, I mean, I get it. Jokingly, people have called me the anchor baby and just, you know, and things like, like that. And I even have friends in my own Cambodian group that have called me that. They're like, you know how to drive a stick shift? I'm like, well, yeah, it's. I do. They're like, that's so white. I'm like, no, it's not. It's a car. <laughs> Most of the cars in the rest of the, the country mm. or the, the world are more stick shifts than Ours, manual yes. or than um, automatics. It's changing now because now they're, they're yes. not being made as much. But sure. trust me, 10, 15 years ago, <laughs> rent a car anywhere else and it's fucking, it's a standard oh, yeah. transmission. <laughs> Yes, it was like that when we went to Costa Rica and just, you know, like in Asia, like they were, they're all, they're all, they're all all like that. That's why they were called standard transmissions. And it was only in America that we developed the auto. We're like, fuck, we don't want to have another fucking pedal. (laughs) 
We can't do it. It's too hard. Let's make driving easier. And now we just have like a fucking push button and your car drives itself. Oh, that's exactly what it is. Into a tree. Yes. Take a nap into a tree off a cliff. But yeah, or or like, you know, I would tell my friends I I went to camp. Like I I did camp during the summer and they're like, oh my God, they're so white. I'm like, it was an Asian camp. Like I went with other Asian kids to learn about other Asian cultures. You know, like (laughs) (laughs) it was just such a weird thing to do or to say and to like make the assumption of and whatever, you know, it's just because it wasn't even that I had different opportunity or anything. It was just that I discovered different ways of life and I had different connections and stuff. So I totally understand how how he felt to that. And I think that there's also that religious connection to it too. I don't have one, but. No, but it was in this book. Or in but it was in this too, book. Because it's very, mm-hmm. ca- like, especially like all the stuff around Dia de los Muertos and like a yeah. lot of like Catholic yeah. Mexican traditions, like Mexican mm-hmm. Catholicism is part of, you know, like Julieta prayed a lot. And yes. She did the sign of the cross because it's religious, but it's also very part of like cultural. Yes. I would, and I used to fight tooth and nail that I would keep those really, really separate because I wanted people to know that when I go to the temple, it has nothing to do with being Buddhist. For me, it is about being part of the Cambodian community. Mm-hmm. But being religious is part of culture for many, many people, probably a lot more than I think there is, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. I think the portrayal of it and understanding both sides and having Alana talk about these stories from either side, Ramon's side and then Julieta's side, but both being Mexican is such a beautiful way to sort, you know, to set the scene. Well, it's inter, like it's within the culture, but it's a class discussion of, yes. you know, they're, yes, they're both Mexican-American, but one grew up rich and one grew up poor. And a mm-hmm. lot of the times these kind of stories would be a rich white person with a yes. minority, yep. you know, poor minority. And then trying to like, now you have to cross cultural and class barriers yeah like race race, class class and culture whereas this at least we kind of level it with the culture Mm -hmm. but get to see how that culture was experienced growing up from the different classes yeah you know he talks freely ramon talks freely about being raised by nannies and maids and like (laughs) not having this family connection like he's not even close to his cousins because his cousins live in the barrio and yep. don't associate with him like they're like that's not our life cuz right yeah, I mean, that's exactly so saying it. it like that no <laughs> but that is what he says it, like, it is, that's how benito am, says it benito's like hey that's, it didn't feel right yeah. when i said it i didn't like that <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying I know you weren't saying it to you <laughs> no, know, no, no, to be no, no, derogatory or anything. That is that is exactly how Benito said yeah. it. So but yeah, no, and, and it, it is it is exactly that. And it, it gets explained. I love how that she wrote those characters. She wrote Benito and she wrote Tiburon and I was just like, Oh, this is so cool and if the, you know, it wasn't the classic way that we get it from Shakespeare, obviously. Nobody dies, nobody really fights. I mean, they stand up for what they do because they do have a protest when he goes in and he's like trying to change all of this stuff or his dad tries to change all this stuff and Tib is just like dude get out of here I'm gonna fucking mess you up and he does get the McLaren but you know yeah I'm sure he can fix it just (laughs) fine and then yeah then there's that other character who hadn't been part of the story at all he was just there he was just his friend he was just like hey I'm just gonna go he's like yeah okay I'll go with you I'll work with you I'll work yeah I don't know why he was there (laughs) 
like, wasn't. <laughs> he was, was just a friend. I to to the scene in the, in the play, and I was like, I thought. It's Mercutio. Yeah, it's Mercutio. It's mm-hmm. like, who I think is supposed to be Benito. I think Benito is supposed to be Mercutio. No, Benvolio is Benito. And Tybalt is Tiburon. I know that. No, I caught that. Because that's her yeah. cousin. Tybalt yeah. is Juliet's or Juliet's cousin. And Benvolio is Romeo's cousin. Oh. Mercutio is his friend. His friend. So it's this guy who didn't exist in the book until that one yes. spot in time. <laughs> yeah. He had like, yeah, Mercutio has okay. no place in this book. Which I don't, now, now I'm trying to re- re- remember what his name was and if it even started with an M. I don't feel like it did. I don't I think was so like, either. I didn't think Benito, I just was like, well, maybe she just didn't want to go too far. So I was trying to put Benito into the Mercutio role because Mercutio talks real to who or to Ro- yes. to Romeo. He's he the does. one who's like, Bro, "What are you doing?" And so I like Benito was the one mm-hmm. who was like, "You're not understanding the neighborhood yes. and you're fucking up." Yeah. So I thought that's why I thought he was Mercutio, but no, you're right. That would be Benvolio. Yeah. She even put Rosa in there, who mm-hmm. would, was funny because I was like, "Oh, oh are they going to know each other? Is this going to be crazy?" Yeah. Or what? <laughs> I know. I was waiting for that to blow up, but it didn't. No, it's not a <laughs> not a beat for beat. I, no, no. I no. want to say because it just since we're talking about it in relation to the play of Shakespeare's tragedies, Romeo and Juliet is not a good one. It's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's and, not the greatest. And I am happy, like that. You know, we fixed the ending here, and it's not yes. some <laughs> ridiculous dumb tragedy where like eight people are dead and. A city is practically on fire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because it's super stupid. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's not stupid, but it isn't. Like, comparatively, his other tragic, like, I love his comedies. Like, I think Shakespeare knocks it out of the park with most of his comedies. Mm -hmm. But his tragedies are, his big tragedies are, you know, Hamlet, Macbeth, Lear are like super, like, dramatic dramatic stories of like, (sighs) and they all die too in all those fucking books. But then you get like Romeo and Juliet, and you're like, okay. <laughs> a 12 year old fell in love with a 15 year old, and now everyone died. Everybody's dead. I've always wanted a retelling of a Romeo and Juliet story where they actually make it, and this is it. I this love it. This is it, and it is better. But as much as I did enjoy this book, and I really love the themes in it, and I think she really nailed that. Like, it is so fun to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, even if you're not not that familiar, like yes, I grew up here in Denver. Denver has Hispanic population, like you know, different neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. We went to a school that had a large, predominantly like, Hispanic, mm-hmm. you know, or Mexican American like population at school community. Yeah. community. Mm-hmm. I still am not that familiar with it. You know, I didn't live it. I don't. I'm not. Right. I'm a white person. It's not my culture. So I loved reading this and reading it from you know this perspective. I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I say this with love. Ninety percent great. Ten percent like the last end. Just like what? It just the all, end like, was rushed. It was rushed, yes. and it was just like oh. I gotta wrap yeah. this shit up and I promised him it yeah. would only be this long. <laughs> yeah. I think so too. I think she had this great elaborate thing and she got to her point, right? She mm-hmm. she made the storyline work and told her point 
explain the gentrification, explain El Banco and, <laughs> you know, like all of that stuff in the relationship between the two main characters and even the parents. But then she got to the end and was like, oh, shit, I need to now wrap it up and put it together. And that was it. Like 10 it minutes. It just was so it was fast. Just, it was so fast. Like, yeah, literally one minute he is sitting in his apartment. I don't know how I'm going to fix this. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he makes a phone call and five minutes later, he's fixed the whole thing. And I'm like, <laughs> what? It was that quick. You can't, yeah. This is, we're talking multi-million dollar real estate deals. This shit doesn't get done like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's being nitpicky and I'm not trying to be nitpicky because I did enjoy this book a lot. And I know in Goodreads, it says it's like the first of a Love and Taco series. Oh, I was wondering if there was going to be like, is it the brothers story right, next? Right, feel right like the brothers, but I don't know. I don't know. And then is it, uh, you know, pick up on a different oh. play or? Uh, there is already a book too that oh. just came out. Oh, nice. Came out this year, it's called Kiss Me, Me More. And it is, it's Enrique. Let's see if I can Enrique. figure out. Kiss Me, Mi Amor. Who would... I wonder if that's an adaptation of a different famous something. That's what I'm trying to see if I can figure it out real fast from just the Goodreads Description, review. Yeah. Description. Okay, so it's a fake dating trope. Okay. Hmm. I'm not seeing anything that's telling me exactly... It doesn't say, like, here's a retelling of... <laughs> yeah so, okay so maybe not anything then it might be and it might not be I oh okay know. that's the thing is i yeah. don't know we'd have to read it and find we out will. guess what's going on the list for next year guys <laughs> next hispanic heritage month because <laughs> <laughs> i am interested it, absolutely and his brothers seemed really cool too like enrique definitely more than um jaime yeah Jaime is the influencer, right? Yeah, and that's just yeah. less interesting to me in general. <laughs> yeah, we've got influencer stories already, and I'm, I somehow read um, yeah, three in a row, in and I yeah. like not just for this podcast, but like one for this podcast, and then two just in random world somehow. And I was like, damn it, why is everybody a fucking influencer? <laughs> yeah, I'm not as interested in that either. But hey, all in all, I mean, the point is, is that they boned. They, they had sex. Oh, we haven't even gotten to that. Yeah. So yeah. On top of all this, unlike in the play, which they have one very chaste sex scene of, you know, young teenagers, which probably yeah. was very bad sex for everybody involved. Um, yes. Um, this is not. These are 30-year-old adults with experiences and histories, yeah. and mm -hmm. they get down, and they do it they... quite well. And well yes. descriptively. Like, I like... Well. Yes. Alana's sex scenes. They're really good. And they're not vulgar like we're used to and sometimes that we just truly, truly love. But they're descriptive and they're beautiful. The way that she describes both of their bodies, he's a surfer. <laughs> so Aztec God gets thrown around a lot. Yes, so just Aztec go there. God. And I she's mean, got curves. Like, she's a curvy girl. And, like, you know, she's got a big butt and just, just super. Uh, they're both just super beautiful and super sexy. But um, they do oral on each other first before they actually have any intercourse. He actually times. two separate times. He goes down on her, and then she goes down on him. And then they just—that's their evening each time, that's and they're it. just like, "We're good it here." It just stops. Yes, that's it. <laughs> I was very impressed with the restraint in that. I was like, especially the first one. When oh, the he first goes one. down on her yes. in the fancy ass historical hotel in Coronado, yes. and I'm like, 
I'm not leaving oh, this hotel God. until we fuck. I'm sorry. I see. I, I, I was struggling about that. Like, I love the scene. That was a good scene. Don't don't get me wrong. But it's all. But I'm like, okay, this is not the first time we've had the male character say, "It's all about you tonight." I just want. Don't worry. I just want. Maybe like, hold on. How do you know I don't want to like suck you off? I that's or, good for me too. Sometimes I just or really like, like dick. Can we like, just fuck? Like, yeah. It feels exactly. nice. <laughs> Sometimes I like that better than, you know, the or which I appreciate. Look, I'm not complaining. Thank you. But maybe this is let's put the P in the V guys. That's what this podcast is. We talk a lot about real shit. But we're supposed to there's not a dildo that replaces an actual dick. In my work. No. I'm you know, there might be ones and other people might disagree with me. People who don't like dicks probably I agree with you. But from a hetero this woman perspective. <laughs> so I just look like I just want a real fucking dick inside just, of me. That's all I want. Yeah. No, I I don't even like I as far as sex toys goes, dildos are not my my go to. I use the vibrators so oh, yeah, much more. Yeah, yeah. They're just I mean, dildos are also so much work and, and you know, all and you have to do it yourself unless you have a machine. Like it's just <laughs> invented you know, vibrators like, and I said I, I don't need any <laughs> I don't need anything else. Like there's and that new little sucky one, fuck it the rest. <laughs> oh, it's like the greatest invention ever. <laughs> so oh my god. Anyway. But <laughs> Notes. But yeah, so I mean, I you know, I, it was beautiful, and I'm glad. Like, I, it worked for them. She was happy with it, and he was happy yeah. with like yeah. proving to her. And I think that was the piece, right? Because she's yeah. all in her head about he's just trying to score and move he's on. A playboy, he's, and... he's roughing it on the slummy side of town, you know. And then he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna go back to his fancy ladies Mansion with their degrees with the... and their yes, you know history, their country, like, their country club etiquette mm. and shit. And so uh-huh. she's thinking this, and he's trying to show her that's not who he is. So he, their first, you know, intimate time together, he just takes care of her orally, and then is like, "That's all. This isn't our first night. Di- you know, this is our first, but it's yeah. not our last. And we're going right. to do a lot together, and we don't need to do it all at once." And that was a yes. very good message that I appreciated. I also was. would have been like, "Sorry, buddy, I'm fucking you." <laughs> that means I can have more later. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a fancy ass hotel room on the beach. Um, I'm getting sex. Look, like, we love hotels, guys. I love sex and in hotels. Yes, it is just it's probably like the best thing ever. I'm going to Italy next month and I'm fucking I'm fucking fucking mm-hmm. in, in Italian Italy. hotels. You gotta fucking Italian Hell, yes. hotels. That's you, happening. What's it called? I'll think of it and tell you you need to watch I think it's called Love in the Villa. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's just a silly rom-com about an Italian villa. Two people okay. fall in love in it. Just do it is it with Christina to... Milan? I don't know. I don't know who that you don't is. Know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look because I think there's one. That I haven't seen it yet, but I think it, I saw something, a story about it in Italian via. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's super cute. Uh, no. Okay. It's a different story then. Let me see. Cat Graham and Tom Hopper are the two. Oh. Totally so, wrong. Yeah, I don't totally know who that off. other person you named is. <laughs> but it's super cute and you should definitely watch it before going to Italy and just being like, oh, look, sex in Italy. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, that definitely should have happened. I mean, the first time they did have sex, he did fly her out to, where did they go? Cabo. Cabo. And, yeah, there was sex and, Yeah, that there. was, okay, so they did get to have sex in a fancy-ass hotel. So I'm, in I'm, a hotel I'm okay. Store. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, because she... 
their second time together, she gave, she went down on him. And I think that was in his condo that he shares with his brother. Yes, after making him decorate his own Christmas tree instead of yes. using it for his <laughs> maid the next day. That's yes. what he was going to do. He's like, no, 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 the maid will, the maid will put the decor so. up. And she's like, no, you're fucking rich, uh, dude. We're putting your yeah. fucking ornaments on your tree ourselves. <laughs> Come on. That's actually like part of the tradition and the holiday. That's the point of it. She made him sit down and string popcorn. It was fucking done. I loved it. <laughs> and then she gave him a very intense blowjob. Yes. Very nice blowjob. To completion. Yes. Which was very good. As we know, is hard. That's difficult. It is so hard. <laughs> it's a hard thing. And might I just add that it's like their second physical interaction, right? besides like making out, you know? Yeah, they've had like kisses and stuff. Their yeah. sexual interaction. So I guess maybe it was easier in that case, because maybe he was more uh, pent up for it. That's true. Yeah. Oh, he did have a masturbation scene. Oh, I know. I, I like that. Yes. We do love that those was scenes. A good, that was a, a shower masturbation because it was their first interaction yes. after they first met at Dia de los Muertos celebration. Because oh, I didn't even mention it in the oh, yeah. <laughs> note. Like, she goes home with him that night, because she's gonna fuck him. She's like, this is She great. wanted to fuck Okay. They have fake names. They're using Romeo, Romeo and Juliet, Juliet, which is super <laughs> cute. And she's just like, I'll just go fuck this dude. We'll be fine. I've got yeah, issues. You know, she's got stuff on her mind. She doesn't really want a relationship. And then she sees that he, she sees um, a framed picture, like an article of him and his mm-hmm. family and, and realizes who he is and that he is Ramon, the son of the Taco King, who is uh-huh. destroying Mexican culture as far as she's concerned. Yeah. <laughs> and whose father and, stole her and mother's her mom's. Exactly. Because she knew that story. He didn't know. She did. So then she storms out without having sex with him that first night. So he does masturbate later. Yes, because he thinks about her in the shower because, you know, he wanted a bone. So, oh, but then the wall scene. Oh, fuck me, yes. <laughs> oh my God, that was so good. Where he couldn't even wait until they got like to a battery, just shut the door, turned her around or put her up against it and just started fucking her well, from he went like. Down on her first. He, like oh, yes, up, he did. Yeah. Got her all warmed up orally mm-hmm. and then, like, yeah, turned her around and fucked her from behind. <sighs> in one caveat, she had a wet bathing suit on and those are super hard to get off. And he got it off yes. really easily while keeping her like lace cover on top. And I'm like, yes, yes. I'm going to have to just call time out. That's not how it works. <laughs> that, wet bathing suits don't work that way. They're very challenging. <laughs> Unless it's just a string. That's true. I guess it was a bikini. She, it could just it be a string. Like it's just a, yeah, tug just it and two fall strings apart. down. And then two strings up, and then it's gone. That's true. Yeah. I guess you're right. <laughs> I'm thinking of the full body the swimsuits that are like near impossible to get off. Yeah, so yeah, no, those are, those are. It's like full body suit. Like I'm a seal yeah. taking my skin off. Basically, I have to molt. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But that was a hot as hell thing too. Mm-hmm. That was really, really good. Their sex was good. I like their sex. Their sex was very good. And I mean, their whole relationship, even though there was turmoil, was definitely good. All right, let's do our kiss and tell then since okay. we're here. So speaking of oral, our kiss and tell for this episode is going to be talking about, I guess, I don't know if it's like our comfortability or like, when does oral start for you in a new relationship? Does it start right away? Does it start with the first interaction of sex? Or does it take time to get there? Because like for me, it takes time because I'm not as confident in that area. And that is receiving and giving. I think it's harder for me to receive and it's easier for me to give, but I also know I'm not great at giving. So like, so I'm a little bit more hesitant. But so, you know, for me, it's, it's, I think, having sex first and sort of getting a feel of, I don't know, maybe his dick. (laughs) 
<laughs> before I wrap my mouth around it, you know, just so that I can so be comfortable before doing it. I'm in a little bit of a different position than you because I have had more first sexes over different areas of my life than you have. Okay. Like, right? Okay. So first encounters, first sexual encounter, because you have been married for half my life. Half your life. <laughs> Yes. So I will say that definitely when I was younger, one, it felt like guys weren't as interested in going down. Like they hadn't learned that tip yet. I mean, we've talked about a lot, like the the discussion of like female orgasms and the non-reciprocal nature of heterosex has come up a lot more recently than it ever was when we were young, like in our 20s, right? Mm -hmm. So in my 20s, I definitely never pushed anyone to go down on me. It was always like, if they tried, I'd kind of stop them actually most of the time because again, we are taught to hate our bodies. And so I'm like, oh no, it's gross. Don't touch it. Yeah. I always went down early because I, again, society tells me I have to as a woman. Right. (laughs) That's something men love and you got to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always very open about not being good at it. I was always like, right. you know, tell me what I'm fucking right. doing. Because also, right. you can't, there's no guide that's perfect because everybody's different and every dick yes. is different. And so you just always have to be like, just tell me how you like this because I yes. don't know. <laughs> I, and I'm not going to read it on you. You're going to have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm um, not going to look up at so, you. Okay. So when I was younger, <laughs> I'd say I was pretty fast into giving head mm-hmm. like relatively usually within the first sexual encounter just because I felt like I needed to I just assumed that's part of warming yeah, them up yeah. right right um I've gotten I'm not I don't rush to it as much nowadays and I'm more like eh, I'll get there when I get there <laughs> <laughs> we'll see um but I have found that guys now are much faster to go down okay at least the ones I've been dating yeah and been with as as I age you know the older I am and so that was something that was new because again even once I started becoming more comfortable with it in relationships I'd have to kind of ask for it when I wanted it it wasn't ever Mm. something that became standard with any of the people who I was in more long-term relationships with but since I've been dating the past few years it's definitely like they just go there they just (laughs) go there and you're just like damn Oh, the word has gotten good. out. <laughs> <laughs> and they've all learned that they're, I guess not all probably, but I guess, you know, a certain percentage of them have been told, like, you've got to be willing to go down and like do that. Or as they get older, maybe it's something that they've been told or realize. You I think know. so. I think they, yeah. I think other women, you know, their past relationships have told them, or they're yeah. just hearing it in the zeitgeist. Like it's part of the yeah. conversation, and like men do talk about it amongst men, and they're yeah. like, "You've got to go down. You've got to." And so that was actually in my the guy I'm currently seeing. That was the first thing that happened. So oh. Just like in Romeo, <laughs> you had a Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. moment. Okay, and I was like, "What? <laughs> this is unusual because it's there. <laughs> it is still unusual." Like. But I didn't, you know, I don't stop anymore because I'm just like, yeah, don't give, tell me. Yes, let's do this. Yeah, right? sure. Because I'm yeah. not as like uptight about it. I have, I, yeah. I, I'm working on the social negative response that yeah. I've been conditioned with and getting rid of that into a better response. Yeah. So I'd say I think it is more common now. I think it is like seen as a, and I'm wondering if it was in this book, just a, a nod, a little baby, a small nod to the cultural and like religious mm. discussion around Hispanic heritage, Mexican culture, because it was like, now they both are experienced. They're not saving themselves for marriage. Right. 
But, you know, her mom talked about like her dad, when Ramon's father came down and was courting her that summer, they weren't allowed to go on dates without a chaperone. Like that's how, like it's only Mm -hmm. one generation removed from that, that these two are exploring their lives, their sexuality and sexual lives without that kind of cultural, like, no, 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 you have to stay pure until you're married. So, but I wonder if that's part of why they kind of did a slow couple of scenes before the full blown intercourse scene yeah there could have been definitely some some influence there but i also it might have also been because they were both really into each other and wanted to take it so just like ramon had you know had said i want this to last i want our next time together to be extra special or a different experience or whatever it is so they weren't rushing into it i mean people have different values on sex sometimes Mm -hmm. it matters to them sometimes it's just sex you know yeah, I think that's very true. And like Julieta's experiences seem to have been not like pretty negative, not like horrible, but you know, yeah. she used sex as like a stress reliever. And she, you know, mused a couple of times in the book on how they weren't even very good at it. <laughs> yeah. She'd have these one night stands with like different people in the ki- in the, in the food industry because she worked in all these kitchens like in San Francisco yeah. and, and going through culinary school and stuff. And it was always like, that's fine, you know, like, flings here and there, one night stands here and there. But she was like, most of them left me unsatisfied anyway. Yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So she was really excited because it seemed like Ramon always knew what he was doing. He wasn't going to half-ass it. So, Which is what a lot of women experience anyway. Like, majority of the women, women experience mm-hmm. it. Or not majority, but a lot. Like, a lot of women experience that and they are in their 30s so like you said they have that experience so for me I got married when I was 21 so you're right I think my experiences are half of them are with Dan and you're just you guys are married (laughs) in a different place now so like Mm -hmm. it's not you guys you know do what you want to do and you don't have that awkward like first time kind of stuff so yeah Yeah. it's just it's been an interesting experience for me witnessing the changes like because it definitely is different sex than it used to be and first time is it used to just really be like how fast can (laughs) are they how fast are they allowed to put their dick like they're like okay we gotta uh, pretend to be doing other things but can i get my dick in uh, yes, and you just yeah, yeah. Like, fine, it's time. It's I'm warmed up enough, I guess. Let's at that point, out. yeah, you're just like, okay, fine. Let's just get because <laughs> now you just want it over with. <laughs> that, yeah, at that point, right? But now I definitely think it's a different situation. Or at least the guys I've come across, and they're yeah. much more open to to oral. And I'm 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 better at receiving it than I've ever been. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's a really good time, and um, that's the contribution to you, you working on yourself and feeling and reading these talking books and talking about this on our podcast absolutely it all works to undermine the stigma Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we grow up with the stereotypes the gross where women yeah the social the the social structure that really works to keep women at arm's length from their own sexuality and being like you know you shouldn't experience pleasure we don't like right. that when you're happy no yeah. it's for us <laughs> you're a vehicle dan showed me a meme the other day he goes he, he, it was about a guy who was just like women can't have orgasms i know i've had sex with many women and I, none of them ever at once had an orgasm i was like oh no this guy is hell delusional he is so bad in bed <laughs> I love that they feel like that's proving something about women and not you're the you're the factor, buddy. I feel like you're the common denominator. You're the one that sucks. Um, yeah. 
you slept with so many women and none of them came. That's even, on they you, didn't bud. even fake it to try and pretend. Like that's right. bad when you're not even faking <laughs> it for a dude. You're not faking Where you're it. just like, I don't even want him to think he tried. Because <laughs> right. there are times where uh, I'll just be like, yay, okay, we're good. We'll oh try. yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, at some point you're just like... If, if, if it's obvious that they're not willing to stop until they think you've come and you're like nowhere <laughs> there and you're just yes. like yes all right well yep that was good thank you okay. that's me in the morning because i just have no <laughs> nerves in the morning so my body does not want to be touched like i just can't orgasm in the morning so i'm fine with being like you do your thing you know dan and i are there we have that yeah, 20 year relationship we can do that you know but if it's gonna be in the morning i can't like i can't it's just not or i'm not that i can't i just don't most of the time yeah and that's that's not <laughs> when you're awake your body's not yeah. ready for that it's, it's like just, just sit there i mornings are fucking good times for me i'm more sensitive <laughs> in the morning and more uh, likely to come yeah. pretty quickly wow that's so and awesome like, yes let's wake up like that yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a yeah. good way to wake up it does it always sounds so nice you know mm-hmm. like very seldomly do i wake dan up in his sleep you know like if i'm done listening to a book or <laughs> if i you know done listening to a scene or reading or something and i'm like all right close it here we go i ravage and it's great. He loves it. He loves that kind of stuff. And sometimes we'll wake up in the morning and he'll have morning wood. And I love, like, I love morning wood because they're just so much fun to play with. And, like, the sex is great, right? So it's all the intercourse of it is great. But I can't ever get to the edge of that mm-hmm. and get to the orgasm, which is fine because the, the action of it is fun, too. But still, can't do that yet. I'll get, I'll get there. Or not. That's not something you have to or try not. to force. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> just be happy. Enjoying success as it mm-hmm. comes to you and Dan. Yep. Absolutely. Sweet. All right. Well, what do you have for a fun fuck fact? Yes. So for our fun fuck fact, which might be a misnamed oh, it's not, category. It's not really fun. It's neither fun nor fuck, but yes. it is our fact of the it's week. It's a fact. <laughs> it's our fact for the episode. <laughs> or at least it is an article that has facts in it. So I wanted to kind of stay in the topic of gentrification and uh, you know, Hispanic culture and neighborhoods, but tie it into, uh, you know, where we live, because uh, that's what we're more familiar with anyway than, mm-hmm. you know, San Diego. Um, and a lot of similar issues, but also different just because they're different cities with different histories. But this is an article on msudenver.edu. So that's uh, Metro State University. Um, and it's called Pushing Back Against Gentrification. Community leaders and scholars discuss ways to reclaim Latino heritage in Denver. And it was written by Laura Miller, October 13th of 2022. And so I'm not, I think I'm just going to post it instead of trying to like summarize it for the podcast. But it really does talk about the neighborhoods that are at risk and how different coalitions have come together to try and kind of prevent that erasure that's been happening in some areas of our town, you know, of, of Denver that have become increasingly gentrified and trying mm-hmm. to kind of push back and fight against that and what the communities can do to yeah. save and, and support these historic neighborhoods that have been touched points for, you know, cultures, mostly Hispanic, yeah. but they, even the articles like, you know, the Latino communities are the hardest hit, but yes. Black and Asian communities, there's certain neighborhoods have lost a lot of their history too and been pushed out. So. Yeah. And parts of the neighborhood that you and I have experienced. I mean, they're right around high school. Like, mm-hmm. that's... Mm-hmm. Our high school 
which was very, I don't know how to say it, but not nice when we were going. You know, it was. Yeah, it was a poor neighborhood. I mean, I I, I grew up in a poor neighborhood, too, and went to school in a poor neighborhood. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I grew up poor. So for me, like, I know exactly how it is. And, And to see it go through these changes is you know, in a way that affects the community and the people that have helped build the culture and, you know, made their homes and, and continue to practice who they are as people is being infiltrated. And it's just, it's... No, it's it's not, it's not. It is, it steals a lot of the, you know, not just the culture, but just like the uniqueness of neighborhoods. And then you end up with everything looking the same. Like in this book, everything has a Starbucks, a Target, a chipotle uh you know like in the book it's a taco Mm -hmm. king but we know it's not taco king Um, (laughs) or a baja fresh or you know everything has like the same things and you can go to any city and find it and it's not that's Mm -hmm. not the unique city experience that those of us who love living in cities want right you know i don't want to i want to go to the local you know mexican restaurant the local asian restaurant Mm -hmm. like where it's run by a generational family that has has been cooking that food for multiple generations and and it's good (laughs) so Mm -hmm. good authentic and there's this asian restaurant that i go to that is like definitely just run by you know chinese family and it's like most of the people in it are that are eating in it are chinese and i can't talk to anyone and i just love their food so much it's so much better than like there was another one i tried in our neighborhood and i was like well oh possibly (laughs) no what he's doing and it's he doesn't it's not good But yeah, um, I just uh, just to kind of tie into the article real quick before we move on, just a few call to actions about like what anyone can do if you're facing uh, gentrification in mm-hmm. you know in your city and you want to be on the right side or help. You know, it's not these aren't necessarily easy things, but if you have access to it and you can, like, run for office, obviously, and if you can't, yes. then research your local candidates and vote for those with anti gentrification views. And that's all of the local can like from city council to, you know, school board, like board of education, all of the little local elections, that's where it matters. It doesn't, you mm-hmm. know, it's not as your senator's not gonna do much with this, but your your people in your city are. So if you yeah, you know, have city council elections, really pay attention to those. And people mm-hmm. tend not to as much, but those are vital for exactly what your city looks like. That's who decides the city council, the mayor, that's who decides the future of the city. And if, you know, they're going to just sell it off to developers to take away all of its uniqueness, or if they can come up with a better strategic city plan that still improves the city, you know, like brings everybody together and like raises all boats at the same time instead of just selling it away. Yeah. And for the most part, those people who hold those local chairs, they, you know, they want to talk to their constituents. They want to understand what's going on and, those are the people that have grown up in those neighborhoods so they know exactly what it is that you're fighting for so go out there and be heard exactly awesome well so you want to rate this book i do because we do i mean do i want to no but uh will we (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> yeah i wonder how much longer our rating system is gonna go for is nonsensical and it doesn't make any sense because everything gets an eight because so this nice. one's getting an eight 
<laughs> I mean, like the lowest we give is a seven, honestly. Yeah. I think it, I have to go it, back it a while to find one that we were like, nah. Yeah, it has been a while. It was a year ago we gave like a five and a six. Now. Oh my God, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's what i'll say we used to split you know we used to do sex and then the story yes we did for romeo and juliet this was a lot better than i was it was Mm. it was what i was hoping it would do because i don't love the original story right and i like this much better and the sex is super good it's Mm -hmm. that 10 percent at the end that just like (laughs) i'm struggling with because i just wanted I wanted it to be wrapped up. I wanted more out of mm-hmm. it. And I guess maybe that's a good thing. Like I'm wanting more story, but I'm, I want, maybe that'll come back in the next one. Maybe, maybe we'll get Maybe the we'll, end we'll of it figure there. out his father's issues and that'll all come up and I will no longer be frustrated. But I just was like, <laughs> they, they, there wasn't any conflict. I mean, there was the swirling conflict around them, but there wasn't a relationship conflict. Until, yeah. like, at the very end for, like, ten minutes of the book. Yeah. And then they were back together. And it was and then it, and, then it, and I was like... And then it fixed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think that's the only thing that I'm pushing back on for this particular book. But I enjoy reading more contemporary sometimes. I do think it was nice to not have to deal with, like, magic or supernatural. Yeah. Like, to just, like, spend my time learning instead about these San Diego this was written cultural from experience. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and like so she was telling her story. It's a good book. I just think it's mm-hmm. a good book. It's like definitely a seven or an eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. it's one of those, seven and a half. I love it. I, I'm giving it an eight, and that goes for both story and sex because I enjoy the sex so much. That was so good. But also, because the way her story was like going, I was not expecting the full blown sex scenes that we got. Yeah, and like, but it wasn't like it. It didn't. It fit. It still fit with the book. It's just Mm -hmm. up until that going down scene, I was like, ah, I'm sure we're gonna get nice sex when we, you know, like it was gonna. Yeah, and I was like, oh no, there is talk of like all of it. Oh yeah, no, he he banged her hard against that door. I it did. There's another piece (laughs) that I also love too. I think she kept describing her, like, every time he was going down on her, um, Alana would describe Julieta as, like, thrashing around on the bed. And I just, like, (laughs) so viscerally understand that because even when I'm trying to be super cool about it, like, there are moments when you're just literally like a weird floppy fish fish on the You're just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. God." And you're like, you can't control all your limbs. And they kind of do these weird things without you. They go everywhere. And you, like, kick him in the face. And you're like, sorry. (laughs) Don't stop, though. Keep doing what you're doing. Just ignore Uh, the the, the limbs having out-of-body experience. (laughs) But she used thrashing particularly a couple of times. And I was just like, yeah. It's so right. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so contrasted with how controlled he, like Ramon is when he's getting a blue job. He seems like it, yeah. Why are we all like messy, ridiculous Muppets? (laughs) I guess we're a little bit maybe theatrical than men generally are. I mean, he talked a lot. He did talk a lot. 
he did he had a lot of expression, maybe not as much body movement. He didn't slap But no, he did I think I think she did talk about him thrusting up a few times, maybe or like fucking her mouth. Oh yeah. He, no, she he, didn't say that specifically. No, he, I think she did but, he did say that. I think she did. Oh he okay. Because he okay. like at one point, yeah, after he held her there while he did what he wanted to do. Like yes. yeah, he, well he fucked her mouth. Which I also yeah. that's hot and that's fine. I'm on board for that. Um <laughs> It's true. But that's not thrashing around. Thrashing around no, is very not. distinctly implied uncontrollably. Uncontrolled. Whereas holding her face while you <laughs> or holding her head still while you fuck her mouth, that's yes. controlled. That's a choice. That is You're much making more controlled. Chooses, your choices. Whereas we're all like it's yeah. a good book and everyone should read it and then we're yeah, looking I, forward uh, to the second one that we're going to read in a year <laughs> yes in a year we'll get Enrique's book Which yeah will be kiss me me more I'm so down for I, I love retellings of different stories even if I liked the original I didn't have a problem with the original Romeo and Juliet except for the whole age thing because I love drama but but it was but it's not it's not the best story no for sure but I, I mean i think it really fit this yeah. story like i liked that she took it and yes built from there i loved that they there's a lot of little nods they both quote shakespeare because at, when they first yes. meet they, they give each other false names mm-hmm. which is romeo and juliet which is also funny because it's there it's the anglicized versions it's of their, their names it's or their, their names, names. The, yep. you know mm-hmm. spanish versions of those names, whichever way it went you know but it was cute and like even at the end they kind of swapped roles where she was standing off to his yes. balcony asking yeah, him was... you know like it. It, yeah yes. and so they said a lot of cute like little quotes nods to the original it's not again not my favorite but this is a well done version of it and i do like retellings to a point yeah gonna be real controversial here but there are too many hades and persephone retellings and everyone needs to get the fuck over that story <laughs> You all heard me say it. There. We read one. Too. I know. It's just too much. Sorry. Oh. There's a million. And say let I bet you aren't even aware of so many. No, I'm not. It is the only thing people are reading right now, and it's or writing and really? reading, I guess. And I just am over it. I tried to read another one and I was like, this isn't good. <laughs> Touch of darkness. You that's it. I said it. <laughs> not good that one i hated oh, yeah. I fucking hated that book anyway now i'm gonna start a fight with all of the book talk and book bookstagram well they're gonna we'll hate see me. if i keep well i'll keep it on this is an hour and <laughs> that's true 20 minutes You've got now a long so... time for a book this, <laughs> yeah. this got big this got long it did it and there's did. not but a lot of great topics there's not a lot of dumb shit in the middle we didn't really go on too many ridiculous no. tangents so. We had five minutes of clits notes, or not clits notes, of quickie, and that was it. So th- this this was legitimately about and like, I think the topics I was of done the book. With, so with clits notes by fifteen minutes in, so the rest is just yeah. us talking about this book. <laughs> that yeah, we had lots to say, but yeah, all in all, good book. Let's we recommend yeah. it. So yeah. Awesome. So guys, for our next book, the second one that we're going to do for Hispanic Heritage Month is going to be The Tinderbox, Soldier of Indira. It is written by Lou Diamond Phillips, friends. Yeah, the Lou Diamond Phillips. As far him. as we can figure out, yes. I mean, I don't know anybody else who would be named that specifically. I don't, but it just still is blowing my mind that it is. <laughs> 
I read the description and it is because it talks about, you know, La Bamba. And yes, stuff, so I it know. is him. It I is. know it is him, but I feel it's blowing my mind that it's him. Like, I didn't know, though, however, that I thought for sure that he was going to narrate it as well. I would have loved to hear his no. voice, but it's not. It's narrated by R.C. Bray and Julia Whelan, which, okay, that's cool. But I'm excited for it. I I'm love super Blue excited. Films. And this is going to be, so it's back into paranormal or yes. supernatural, I Sci-fi guess. Sci-fi-ish. A little sci-fi-y, a little, I can't tell exactly, but it's high definitely fantasy high fantasy sci-fi maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We haven't read it yet. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> but we're super excited. It's been on our list for a while and I finally am like, we're getting to this. We got it. Because it was one it. of those books. I think what happened was um, Audible was having a sale and whenever Audible has a sale, I lose my fucking mind. And I'm like, 50 books for 200 bucks? That's great. It would have normally cost That's me 500 cool. bucks. You know, yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, you think you're saving three hundred bucks when really you just, spent just spent two hundred. <laughs> no, I don't. I never buy that many. But but I do like I do spend like fifty or sixty, and you know, yeah, yeah. Think I'm saving uh, like a hundred something, and I'm just spending fifty or sixty. You're just spending. Uh, but yeah. that's okay. I love audiobooks, and I love books, and I love authors. So. Yeah. Anyway, this was on sale once and I was just like, well, how can I not buy Lou Diamond Phillips' yeah. book? That seems fuck to yeah. be, it was, I swear it said it was a romance. So I was like, fuck it, we're going to read this. Oh, it is, it is a romance. It's, it's, there are two, the character finds yeah. love like, with. It's like one of its categories. The Mad King's Daughter. Oh, is, okay. Like, cause you know, it has genre ta- tags and one of its genre tags is romance. Yeah. So I was just like, well, of course, now we're definitely fucking reading this. Absolutely, we are. So yeah, join us for that, guys. All right. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Dirty Books. I'm just going to tell you it's Instagram and Facebook because we don't even know (laughs) if Twitter's still around. Like, it's now got a new name. And I'm not calling it X, so fuck off. No, I don't like it either. Elon. And I don't know that we're actually there anyway, so don't look for us. Uh, whatever that new thing might or may not be, if it still exists. Yeah. So you can find us on Facebook or Instagram, shh, Dirty Books, or email us at shdirtybooks at gmail.com. And in all those places, it is shh with three H's. And you can definitely find us on our website at shdirtybooks.com and most places that you could find where podcasts stream. If you guys can go there, rate, review, subscribe to us, that would be amazing. Thank you, Jim Townsend, for your music. And with that, we are finally going to say goodnight. This is Sayla. <laughs> and this is Kalina. And, <laughs> and we'll see you later. Just a bit. Goodbye. It's, yeah, bye. <laughs> Listening to Shh, reading dirty books with Galena and Saylet. Be sure to tune into the next episode. Some more of your dirty books read to you. And if you're listening on a format that allows you to give a rating, please do that for them.